In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome in to the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George, along with Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. We're going to talk to you today about areas where you could be flirting with disaster in your finances. We want to make sure that you're aware of them, number one, and some things that you need to be thinking about and some and where you need to really focus your attention on these, these items to make sure that disaster will not come your way. So it should be a good show. Looking forward to talking with you all today. And Barbara and Phil, how's everything going? Great. Oh, just fine. Good to be here yep. today. Yeah, glad to have happy, you. Happy spring. It feels like spring here. It does. Yeah, yeah. Things are starting to bloom out here, believe it or not. But we did get a little bit of snow flurries yesterday in Illinois, which is hard to believe. <laughs> wow. I did Even see here. that. Yeah. For, for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And what are we taping here in uh, in late April? So, you know, yeah. snow, snow still trickling down. Yep. Mm. What else is going on around the office? Well, I'll tell you what, Ben. Uh, one of the things that of course, our clients are concerned about as well as I guess the main population is, you know, uh, folks are kind of discouraged by what they're seeing in the national news. Uh, nothing but bad news, uh, you know, in terms of uh, uh, jury outcomes, uh, all the rest that's going along with, with the political side of, uh, of the world. And so we get very little positive input. And uh, so I wanted to, to really kind of give you a more positive outlook on what's going on. And, and these are the facts. These are the facts of what's happening. And, and it actually is something that we should take to heart. Uh, every Monday morning, we get a, an update from our, our friend and uh, really is a personal hero of mine, Brian S. Westbury over at uh, First Trust. He's the chief economist and he gives us an overview of what's happening. And so I want to go over this a little bit to kind of give people uh, a better perspective on what's going on. So if we look at what's happened the last year, uh, between February and the end of March, the S&P dropped by 50%. Everybody's aware of that. People were very discouraged. Uh, but because of this, it wasn't, we realized it wasn't a normal recession. Now, I'm not going to read everything in, in Brian's report, but just kind of hit some highlights here. But he says that it was not a normal recession, which it wasn't. Uh, markets went into a shutdown and they were undervalued at that time. So we believe, and they believed at that time, that stock prices would recover as businesses returned to more normal values. And of course, by Thanksgiving of 2020, the U.S. economy did produce less than it had been producing pre-pandemic, but the stock market had fully recovered and gone to new heights. And it went from 2224 back in mid-March to around the Thanksgiving time, back to 3638. That's a 63% increase. That's the S&P 500. That's the S&P 500. That was the growth. It's incredible. And, and it was uh, primarily due to technology and communications that helped to adjust uh, to the shutdowns. Big box stores stayed open. Government dispersed uh, trillions of dollars of borrowing dollars, of borrowed dollars. A vaccine was invented in less than a year, which is incredible. Yep. Never happened before in the history of our nation. Money supply exploded and the Fed cut short-term interest rates to almost zero. But they're committed to helping them uh, stay there as well. And because of this, you know, profits have soared. Well, the conclusion to Brian's report is that he says this, while the markets won't move in a straight line up, and a correction is always possible as the, economic, as the economy opens, those sectors of the economy that fell behind in the past years because of shutdowns, limited gold trade, will be a source of strength. The Fed remains high, highly accommodative uh, because there's trillions of dollars of cash on the sidelines. And vaccines have reached over 50% of Americans, which is good. You know, we're starting to reach that herd immunity. 
and the economy is expanding rapidly. Some valuations have been stretched, in other words, over-evaluated, but the market as whole remains undervalued. As a result, we remain bullish and are lifting our targets. And this is very positive news. And so we want to give some hope and some assurance that uh, mm-hmm. we, are, we are really steaming back to where we were pre-pandemic times. And, and I think it's important for our clients to stay informed. If our clients or anybody else who's listening have any questions about particulars on the economy, uh, you know, we're willing to share this information in detail. Just give us a call at our office. Yeah, that's good news. I like hearing good news. And like you said, we don't hear enough of it these days. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's encouraging. And you know what I was doing too, Phil, is uh, from March of last year through March of just year, this year, just as a piece of trivia, when I would sit down and meet with my clients, I'd show them what their accounts had done just in that time frame. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. was between 35 and 40 some percent just for that year. So, you know, when you get out of the market, you don't recoup that. Thank you. One of the, one of the recent podcasts, Phil, you were mentioning all the asset classes and what they produced during mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. March to March mm-hmm. and small companies was over 80%. And so you, I guess the, the moral of the story is you have to stay the course. You do. Yeah. You do. I mean, you know, no panic, no sell, no sell, no loss. There you go. Yeah, this could be hard to do at times, but you got to always keep that big picture in mind. So if you do want to hear more about that report, you can always contact Barbara and Phil. PathfinderWealth.com, that's the website, but also the number is 815-399-9806. Well, I hate to follow up your good news, Phil, with uh, some bad news in terms of (laughs) disaster, but that's what we're talking about today on the show is some areas of your financial life where you could be flirting with disaster. And you don't even realize it. That's the problem is you're just not aware of these things. Now, hopefully you work with an advisor or advisors like Barbara and Phil, and you can you know, be aware of these things. But if you aren't, we want to help bring some attention to four areas, four problem areas today where you could get in trouble. So start off with legal documents. There's a lot of people that either maybe uh, got some legal documents put into place a while back and just haven't updated, or you know, maybe worst case scenario, haven't put any legal documents together at all. Be uh, forewarned is to be forearmed, Ben. And uh, when Barb and I are working with clients, part of our duty is to ensure that they have all the necessary legal documents in place. You know, this would include wills and trusts, powers of attorney for property and health care. And unfortunately, many advisors avoid even discussing these documents with their clients for fear that they might be accused of, quote, practicing law without a license. You know, they get scared. Or perhaps the, uh, their company has placed a restriction on them doing so. Well, we also have seen this happen when it comes to discussing issues of tax, and we've recommended uh, uh, tax strategies in the past. It's totally in line with financial planning. Of course, reviewing legal documents and discussing taxes and even named beneficiaries are essential in order to execute a a well-done financial plan. It's got to be effective, and we have to review those documents in order for it to happen. Recently, a new client brought in their legal documents for me to review. They said that their attorney had established a revocable living trust for all their assets because they wanted to protect their property from probate when they passed. They wanted to nominate their children to take over in the event of a disability or death. But upon closer examination, we had found uh, something that they had was something not as a living trust, but something called a testamentary trust. And what that is, it's a will that becomes a trust once it goes through the probate process. So what's the purpose of it? Well, yeah, that's the question. What is the purpose? I suppose there might be some, but in this case, you know, the clients didn't understand. Of course, uh, they were very disappointed to learn that, uh, that they had that type of a trust, but grateful that they had. So we referred them to an attorney who has a concentration in the area of estate planning law, and that's, that's where they need to go. 
It's understandable that clients become confused by legal documents, especially when trying to understand the legal mumbo jumbo that they're reading. Uh, they often are overwhelmed with terms such as remaindermen. What's remaindermen? Or chattel. And those are old English terms that are used in these documents. But it is still their responsibility to have a basic understanding of these documents and uh, having them reviewed every few years. So one of the most significant uh, changes in the law that we want to point out at this point pertains to IRAs and how they would be distributed upon death. You say, how in the world does an IRA account have uh, an impact on your estate plan? Well, under the recently passed SECURE Act, which uh, occurred last year, the lifetime death benefit payout, otherwise known as the stretch IRA, has been shortened. No longer a stretch IRA possible. It's been shortened to 10 years. In effect, the government wants to get all the tax money from these huge IRA and 401k accounts within a 10-year of the parent's death rather than from a surviving child's lifetime where it was paid over maybe a 30-year period of time. So they've got to take it barb within a 10-year period of time instead of 30, and they've got to pay all that tax up front. So how does this affect an estate plan? Well, revocable living trusts created prior to the SECURE Act are often named as beneficiaries directly, and then the proceeds are passed out or what they call sprinkled among the kids uh, per the trust instructions. Now, that, that's been a, a great uh, strategy and an excellent way to protect the heirs from liability, such as divorce, bankruptcy litigations, and other attacks. However, unless the older trust is amended to give the trustee powers to adopt the new Secure Act tenure payout provisions, you may run afoul of destroying that protection, that protection aspect that the trust would offer. So many of our listeners, uh, Barb, as you and I know, have large IRAs or 401ks and also have living trusts. And we would recommend that they give us a call to understand some of the changes in the Secure Act and how it might affect their heirs. Yeah, that is a real big deal since uh, last year. And so we're having our clients trust reviewed right now. And um, mm -hmm. one of the things that is often overlooked, I'm just going to mention here, are beneficiary designations. Yes. Those are very important for your IRAs or your 401ks, maybe your 403bs, because those override your will. So if you're divorced, check your beneficiary mm -hmm. designations to make sure your ex-spouse, if you choose, is no longer a beneficiary. You should be, be happy. <laughs> to learn that, but <laughs> yeah, I actually just spoke with uh, uh, someone recently where the beneficiary designations weren't changed and the mm. husband passed. Yeah. So that same issue took place because the uh, beneficiary designations are going to trump the will. And it, no, nothing says that the uh, divorced spouse has to legally share anything with the right. with the heirs. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, you don't want to be going down that path potentially. It could be, mm -mm. it could cause a lot of problems within the family. Uh, all mm -hmm. right. How about taxes? Let's take a look at taxes. This is an area, right? We all, we're all very familiar with, and we know that disaster can strike from taxes from time to time. But what we're talking about here is the big picture looking at retirement. You know, you're putting a lot of money into these um, tax deferred accounts. You're building up a very nice nest egg, but Uncle Sam's going to come calling, right? You betcha. Well, Ben, we've been teaching a class called Taxes in Retirement. And by the way, our next live classes are May 24th and 26th at the NIU campus here in Rockford. But give us a call at 815-399-9806. You need to attend this tax savings mm. class if you're age 60 and above, if you're getting ready to retire, or if you are retired. So if we look at back in 1974, when IRAs were first established, you could start one for about $500. Then over the years, the 401ks are the retirement savings vehicle. So pensions are a vehicle of the past, except for public pensions, and you're expected to save on your own for retirement. The problem is the tax time bomb that this creates over 40 years of saving pre-tax. 
the government loves this because your account's now grown to a very large account. Well, then in 2006, something very good did, did happen, and that is that our government came up with adding the option of a Roth inside a 401k. Most, not all, but most plans offer this today. The Roth 401k is a big deal for saving because you can save, depending on your age, some anywhere between nineteen dollars and $26,000 inside that 401k. So be careful on a company match, though. Some employers will match pre-tax dollars only. So you could put in up to what they match and the rest you could put in the Roth 401k. You can also contribute to a Roth IRA outside of that plan, but there are income limits. So we're working with clients regularly to convert some of their IRAs to Roths every year because you're paying taxes taxes today at the lowest rate because mm-hmm. the highest rate in history right now is, uh, well, it goes up to 90% back in the 50s, mm-hmm. but the highest right now is 37%. So you're paying taxes at the lowest rate in history, and then you're done paying taxes on those dollars. But the deficit in this country continues to grow, no end in sight. And America's debt now with unfunded liabilities is, guess how much, Phil? Uh, 50 trillion? Half. You're, you're about halfway there. Wow. <laughs> uh, America's Damn. debt is now about $123 trillion if you include the unfunded liabilities of Social Security, which is 60. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. $65 trillion, unfunded liabilities of Medicare, another $55 trillion. Then you got the stimulus and so forth. Or what that equates to is about $800,000 per taxpayer. And that's from a nonprofit firm. Those numbers are called Truth in Accounting. So the government's revenue source is taxation. So where do you think taxes are headed? And don't Mm. sit back and do nothing because when taxes increase and say, I wish I would have done something then because you can do something for yourself, you can do something now. Yeah, yeah. This is incredible, Barb. The impact it could have on clients long-term and even on their heirs. And as I always say, you know, the the bull print giveth, meaning, you know, you're going to get a big tax, you know, deduction Deduction, on on your contribution to the 401k or the IRA. But the fine print taketh away, which means there's going to be a huge tax time bomb down the road. And so they need to look at the possibility of, of uh, Roth conversions at this time. Yeah, because if you have all pre-tax, that money's not all yours. Well, if it, uh, we always say 50% is owned by the government. Right. I love that you're going through the debt and you're like, oh, you know, 50 trillion here, 25 trillion mm. there. It's like, yeah, see? we talk about it like it's pennies, don't <laughs> right, we? Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's such a ridiculous number. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of something to be thinking about as we as we move forward. Uh, but the next thing I want to bring up are long-term care expenses. Um, too many people, I think, ignore this this piece of the puzzle when it comes to retirement. Yeah, I, and, and I get it. You know, a lot of times you don't want to think about, you know, yourself not being healthy and being able to take care of yourself and you kind of put it off. I'll take care of this later. But this can be a spot that could cause some real problems. Yes. It's, you know, the old saying, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. <laughs> and mm. I always say that no plan, it's still a plan. But Phil and I have always discussed this topic with our clients, because if you look at the statistics on average, a 65-year-old was gonna, will need some form of long-term care service for three years. And at the least, you could look at purchasing a plan for three years coverage. The average age for using it is about age 83. And uh, for our listeners to know, Medicare pays up to 100 days. If they pay up to 100 days, they pay nothing beyond that. But in order for Medicare to pay, you have to enter the nursing home from the hospital. And less than half the people enter the nursing home from the hospital. So then that means Medicare doesn't pay anything. The most you can buy coverage for is six years. There's no more lifetime benefit plans, which we have a couple Mm -hmm. of clients that still have those uh, lifetime, John Hancock lifetime benefit, what I call the Cadillac plans, and those are no longer in place. You have options. You could do a shared care plans, which are nice if you're married. 
because if one doesn't use the benefits, then they transfer to the other insured. And secondly, if you have health issues, you may want to look at an annuity that has long-term care options. The qualifications are none to very minimal questions. Thirdly, you could look at what's called a combination policy. These have been around now for probably about 15 years or so, maybe a little longer. And there are two types, and one is considered a long uh, life insurance long-term care, or there's an annuity long-term care plan. And lastly, it's the traditional plans where you pay out of pocket and you have uh, premiums that increase regularly, but all plans will have a maximum payout benefit, and it's called a daily benefit. And we have a number of clients that like the combination policies because you never lose your original deposit. It will go to your spouse or to your heirs. So what we do is we take the approach of talking about it. We discuss the pros and cons. And if in the end you decide to self-pay, you've at least looked at all your options. But I do have notes in my file with discussions that we've had about this because that way I don't want the kids to come back and say to us someday, hey, why didn't our parents have any kind of protection? Their estate's all gone. And then we can let them know that this was discussed and that was by their choice. So I would say at least look at all of your options and then you can at least make an informed decision for yourself. Yeah, let me uh, tell you something, Barb and Ben, that happened to me recently. Uh, my mother bought a long-term care plan back when she was in her mid-60s. And after a period of time, the, the premiums went very high. They were outrageously high and she dropped the plan. Well, I thought it was over and done with. Well, recently, my 96-year-old mother huh, now had to enter a nursing home. Well, I got to looking at some of the correspondence I received from the old company and realized that she had something called a non-forfeiture provision in the contract. And I said to myself, well, I know a lot about this stuff, but I haven't seen one of these really work. So I called the company up and I explained what was going on. They said, oh, yes, your mother has, um, because she's paid in so much money in the contract those 20, 25 years ago, has a provision whereby she can have about a year's worth of long-term care benefit from the non-forfeiture provision. Isn't that wow? That's amazing. That so good is. thing you kept the policy. I, I did. Yeah. Good thing I kept the correspondence because I was ready to chuck it many years ago. And I thought, ah, I better keep that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a good story. Yep. I did not know that. Non forfeiture provisions. Better check it out. Yep. Very interesting. Um, let's let's finish off with some investing and where some problems could be there before we close out our conversation today. The 60-40 portfolio approach. This has been um yeah, well recommended for a lot of people, mm -hmm. retirees for many times, 60% large cap stocks, 40% bonds. In this current investing environment, how can this be a, a, a bad idea for people and where can, where can the trouble be found? Our position on this is, is that a 60-40 mix, that means 60% stocks and 40% bonds at retirement may still be a good planning strategy regardless of the current investing environment, Ben. So now, where we might differ from the approach that was just offered up is that 60% needs to go into a, a diversified uh, portfolio. So instead of it being all large cap stocks, our approach is uh, it need to, uh, you need to have access to all the, uh, the academically recognized asset classes. So of the 60% that would go into equities, uh, they should be equated, allocated into U.S. and international places, large companies, small companies, growth and value companies as well as micro uh, companies, those are real teeny companies and emerging companies. Now, here's the reason. If you look back historically, you see that U.S. large companies have a mediocre track record and remain one of the least productive groups historically. You go, wow, how could that be possible? You say, Barb, Phil, my S&P 500 growth funds have actually uh, averaged about 20% per year over the last five years. Aren't returns of this kind what we're looking for? Well, certainly high returns are appealing, 
And that's what people kind of base their success on is high returns, but it comes with a cost. What comes up must come down. And what goes up must come <laughs> down. It certainly is a lot of risk involved there. For example, the top 10 companies, Ben, by weight, make up 26% of the S&P index value. Hmm. So, you know, we really should have an S&P 10 and an S&P 490, <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> With, with the exception of the company Berkshire Hathaway, that makes up only 1.5% of the other nine are really technology companies. So if the top 10 companies were removed from the portfolio, the S&P 490, according to the street research uh, document, would be at a loss for the past year. Be at a loss. It would be at a loss. There, you would have a loss in the remaining 490 companies. Otherwise, it was 60-some percent increase, wasn't it, yeah. year over year? Yeah, year over year. And in other words, the big tech accounts for virtually all of the S&P mm -hmm. returns for the last year, and in fact, the last five years. So instead of investing in the market darlings you know, and pick these stocks that basically are very volatile, okay, and you don't have diversification if you're invested primarily in a, in a fund that, that derives its returns from just 10 companies, mm -hmm. really? Okay, we need to go to an evidence-based diversified portfolio, as we mentioned. But we're getting kind of ahead of ourselves here because, you know, the, the question was, well, what about a 60-40 mix? Well, before we decide on, on how to cut the pie, the pie diagram we always show, several questions need to be answered. So the first one is, how much income do you as a client need in retirement? That's a very important right. one. Number two, how much of this income needs to be derived from the investments? Okay, so you have so much coming from maybe pensions, so much coming from Social Security, but you have to have the, the balance coming from investments. And then thirdly, can the investment portfolio you have or the amount of money you have in the portfolio reasonably produce that income? Can we set it up? And so it doesn't make a difference whether it's 60-40, 50-50, 75-25. The portfolio constructed has to produce the income. And Barb, you and I talk about this a lot. We want to have at least an 85% probability factor of success when that happens. Right. We're getting through. We take it to age 100. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We, people mm -hmm. are living, we've got clients in their 90s. But uh, when I kind of laughed when I saw that because we see that when we analyze portfolios. We see that most people have their, all of their allocations to large U.S. growth and uh, large international growth. How about yeah. that? You know, yeah. I wonder why that happens. Yes, and so very low, very seldom do we see someone coming through that we, whose portfolio that we analyze is well diversified. Yes, you know? yeah, so. yeah. I think that it's called chasing returns. <laughs> People chase returns; they want the best, you know. And of course, they're looking backwards. It's like driving your car, you know, using your, your, rear, view your rear view mirror. And so we want to make sure that people understand you've got to have a portfolio that's long term, that's diversified, that's going to produce income for you, and it's not chasing returns. Yeah, you can still have a 60-40 mix with, with the right allocation. 60-40 mm -hmm. mix for us, it's different for everyone. 60-40 mix is still considered a moderate portfolio. It is. Very good. Some great information today on this show. And I think you two both kind of help people out in terms of you know, some areas that they should just be paying a little bit closer attention to now mm -hmm. if they haven't already. So if you haven't uh, looked at these recently and want to kind of do that, perfect place to start is pathfinderwealth.com. That is a website for Barbara and Phil. You can get in touch with them there, or you can call them directly, 815-399-9806. And on the website too, there's plenty of other resources there to continue to educate you, but also all of our podcasts are archived there as well. So you can go back and listen anytime you choose. But either way, please subscribe to the show. We'll have a new episode coming in a couple of weeks and you don't want to miss that one as well. So Barbara and Phil, thanks for the time today. And uh, hopefully we've helped some people avoid disaster. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, everybody.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.